It's part of the intrigue of beekeeping. It's a gamble. And I'm not naturally a gambler, but I love the gamble with Mother Nature. And it's doubly rewarding when you're successful. Hello and welcome to Notes from the Bee Yard. You're listening to Episode 8, Running on Empty, written and read by Colorado beekeeper Tom Theobald. In recent episodes, you've heard Tom talk about optimizing honey production. In today's episode, we get to hear him answer what may be the most frequently asked question beekeepers hear about their work. How are the bees? How did the season go? My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode 8, Running on Empty. Stay tuned through the end to hear Tom and I chat about how alfalfa production has changed in Boulder County since the early days. And where did the clover go? August is a transitional month here along the Rockies and out onto the High Plains. The month sneaks up through the heat of July and suddenly subtle yet obvious hints appear, reminding me that we have passed the apex of summer. There is little doubt that the season is changing, that the inevitable slide toward fall, then winter, has begun. For a time, I was blind to these things, when my day began in a car on the way to an indoor job, but for many years now, these signs have become as much a part of my life as the rising of the sun. Out here, fall really begins on the 1st of August, not somewhere in September or October. The earliest I recall being aware of this shift was in 1974 when we lived in a remote mountain valley high in the flat tops of western Colorado. Our nearest neighbor lay 20 miles away by trail. The closest paved road was 40 miles, and town was 65. Except for infrequent trips to town, all our travel was on horseback, and weather was a dominant element in our lives. As August appeared, I began to notice my hands. Stiff from cold, as I sat down to breakfast after the dawn ride downriver to wrangle the horses. The days passed and my hands stiffened earlier into the ride. Then my feet began to feel the cold. Finally, the gloves came out. Then a warmer jacket as the mornings continued to chill. It was clear, even though it was only August, that summer was on the wane. When we moved back down onto the plains, and I came down with a bad case of beekeeping, weather and the seasons became even more important factors in my life. And I saw the same changes down here that I had first noticed high in the mountains. While the days remain hot, they shorten noticeably, with cool and dewy dawns. With brood rearing over, the birds flock up and gorge themselves on anything available as they prepare for the long flight south. As I pulled into the bee yard north of McCall Lake last week, a large group of western kingbirds greeted me. 
They lined the fence along a field of bird's foot trefoil and clover, taking turns dining on the foraging bees. Even the pigeons brought home a sign one morning. Out for an early flight, they returned with a flock of eight or ten migrating nighthawks in tow. By mid-month, the first of the Canadian geese, down from the prairie provinces, start to show up around the farm ponds. At about the same time, their smaller cousins, the hummingbirds, show up in town. As the sun slips south in August, there are subtle changes in the quality of the light. The native flowers respond, with yellow the predominant color. This comes mainly from the rabbit brush and the large family of senecios, daisy-like composites in various sizes and shapes. But the yellow is punctuated by purple spikes of blazing star and the blue of fall asters. By the end of the month, the tiny prairie asters will begin to spray the land with white. Even the sound of August is different. Off in the distance I can hear the soft buzz of the first chainsaw as one of the neighbors begins to work up the winter wood supply. What was in June, a taffeta soft rustle of wind through the trees, now becomes a rattle as leaves harden off and stiffen. And August is a time when I begin to take an accounting for the season's effort. A time to reap my rewards or take my lumps. I'm frequently asked through the summer how the bees are doing and how the season looks. I always hesitate to make any predictions. Being a beekeeper is like being a dryland wheat farmer, where the harvest can fluctuate widely. The season got off to a good start with a cool, moist spring. The dandelion bloom was one of the best in years, and the bees built up well on the resulting honey flow. By June, an abundance of yellow sweet clover was coming on. It comes and goes here in the county, but when it appears, I always look forward to a good honey flow from it. And then, just as the sweet clover was beginning to yield, record heat descended upon us. It fried the clover and except in creek bottoms and seeps where there was sufficient subsoil moisture, very little nectar came in from it. But still the second cutting remained. In most years, the alfalfa bloom before the second cutting is the main honey flow anyway, and the clover is a bonus. So I set my sights on the second cutting. Normally it should begin blooming about the 10th of July. But then the farmers were hot to get it cut, so enough time would be left to get a third cutting. Just as it began to bloom, down it came. So much for the second cutting. I suspected when the clover failed that I might be looking at a lean year. I've started the harvest now. The honey house has been cleaned from stem to stern, and I've brought in loads from three of the bee yards. It is even worse than I expected, and could be the shortest crop in years. Many of the honey supers I hauled out in May and put on with great anticipation are coming back in, cleaned, polished, repaired, 
and dry as a bone. It won't be a complete crop failure, but it certainly won't be anything to write home about either. The challenge will be to divvy up the crop so that all my customers and retail outlets get supplied. I still have several yards to go, and maybe there will be some pleasant surprises out there for me, but I doubt it. I was talking with a customer the other day, and he said how much he envies me. Perhaps he should, but maybe not. So when I'm hearing you read these, reading them myself, it feels like there are a lot of layers uh-huh. of ideas. So one thing that comes to mind is knowing the names of the plants. And this is something I remember being a kid and hearing older people, maybe my grandmother, uh-huh. being able to know the names of all the flowers. And it almost seemed... It was like a superpower to know all that stuff. Yeah, I had a better recall of the flowers 30 years ago. There's this question that beekeepers always get, and I think it's meant really politely. Like, how are the bees doing? It's kind of like, how, you know, how are things going? Yes. But that can, that can feel very loaded if you're depending on the income from the bees and they're not doing very well. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, that's part of the excitement of beekeeping. And the better you do your job, if Mother Nature cooperates, you're a success. <laughs> but, but it depends on a lot of things that you don't have too much control over. Your control is how you handle the bees. And if it is a good season, you're prepared for it. You haven't let it slip by. The best year I ever had was 1983, I think it was. What made it the best? I remember standing at the Honey House door. This is a building that's about 20 by 40. I remember standing at the Honey House door after all of the harvesting was over, looking in and saying to myself, what am I going to do with all this honey? So that's the upside. Um, it's a gamble. And, and it's, the success of the gamble, in part, is dependent upon your own ingenuity and hard work, which makes the, uh, the success doubly sweet. You know, it feels like this time that you're talking about is where your skill and the crop There was a definite relationship between the quality of your work and what you ended with at the end of the season. However, that has changed. Would you agree? Oh, yes. It's changed greatly. How so? Well, with the two-queen colony, I would expect a surplus of about 240 pounds Today, even the good beekeepers are lucky to get 30 or 40 pounds if their colony doesn't die during the summer. So that's, that's part of the change. I was with the application of a huge amount of energy, was able to produce 
very large crops of honey, and that's gone. Those days are over. Yeah. So another piece of this, another layer that really intrigues me is that this writing that you've done, it's a document of the bloom, the different plants that bloom. You have dates in there. Mm -hmm. Is that something that has stayed the same throughout your beekeeping career, or have you seen change in that area? The clover has always been undependable in my career as a beekeeper, whereas before I appeared on the scene in the early 1900s, a good clover bloom could be counted upon in most locations around the county. That's diminished. The last big clover year was 1983, and I produced about 15,000 pounds of honey. It was a killer. <laughs> we haven't uh, we haven't seen a clover flow like that since. The alfalfa has changed, and I used to count very heavily on the second cutting. Ideally, you wanted to get next to a farmer who had a little too much to do and couldn't get to the second cutting in a timely fashion so that it bloomed a little longer than he might have liked. Now most of the alfalfa farmers are looking to the dairy industry as their customer. And the dairy wants alfalfa at the lowest possible protein content, which means that it has to be cut with no more than 10% bloom. What that means is that bloom that used to come from the second cutting is now not there. It's gone. So we've lost the clover. Most areas we've lost the alfalfa. The forage is just not out there. What have we lost the clover to? Why, why do we not have big clover blooms anymore? Good question, and I've watched the clover for many years, and clover comes and goes. It seems like the seed will stay in the ground until favorable conditions come along. But you need more than a favorable spring. You need the favorable conditions throughout the season. And we just don't have that the way we used to. It used to be that Boulder County was just yellow with clover bloom in the middle of the summer, and that's no longer the case. Hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to comment on? I did this for 27 years, so I commented on conditions as they occurred over that 27-year period, and there was a lot of variation from one year to another. And I, was, mm -hmm. and I was documenting it. All right. This was beautifully done. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you and Andy for taking the time that you are. And uh, I'm sure. really looking forward to uh, hearing it and seeing how people react to it. Same. Thank you for listening to Notes from the Bee Yard. So grateful this week to Andy, our editor and sound engineer who helps Notes from the Bee Yard sound great. We publish new episodes on Fridays at noon. 
Until next time, hop on over to notesfromthebr.buzz to subscribe and join our new Facebook group.